Good morning, everybody. I have this thing about interrupting people that I I really try not to. So it's like standing here listening to everybody's conversations, looking for a place to break into all of them at the same time. It's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But since Bob and Heidi are here and they're seated, then I think we can go ahead and get started. So, uh, so it's nice. It's great to be back. Kind of nice, like goofing around on a Sunday morning and wandering around Omaha last week. Had a, had a good time. So, so Jesus, we just praise you for all that you've done. God, your your love to us is is beyond anything that we could understand or express. God, we are grateful. God, and this morning what we pray is that you would just soften our hearts with your anointing oil. God, that your presence would uh, just take away all of the 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 hardness and the the, the crustiness that we come in with uh, after uh, after the week. Yeah, we we just we want your presence to do in us as only it could. God, we want our hearts prepared to hear what you have to say. God, for you to bring it to us and for us to receive it. God, not as uh, as we would expect it, God, but as you would say it. God, what you truly mean when you speak your word to us, God, and we just we pray that you would bring it forth that way this morning, God, that you would just organize my thinking and, and that you would just use me to say what you want to say this morning. That is only you can do. In your precious, righteous name we pray it. Amen and amen. So if you come to hear what I had to say this morning, I apologize in advance. But but if you have come to hear something from God, then, then that's great. Um, we'll start in Exodus 25 this morning. You always know that kid that looks like he's not ready for the test when he's like flipping through his notes right before class starts. That's kind of how I was feeling this morning when I came in here. You know, it's tough, though. It's like on Saturday, you have this day to hang out with your family, and it's kind of hard to tear yourself away and shut yourself in a room all day and, uh, and go study. So I thought I could do both. So I literally sat on the couch pretty much all day uh, with my Bible on my lap, and I, I think I studied for about 20 minutes. Um, but uh, but we had a grand day. So um, so I'm going to start here in Exodus 25. Um, I guess verse 10 will work. We're uh, talking about the Ark of the Covenant here, and uh, uh, God's giving Moses the the instructions for how they're going to build the Ark. It says, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, a cubit and a half the height thereof, and a cubit and a half thereof, the height thereof. And they shall overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shall you overlay it. I shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. And I shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, two rings in the other side of it. And they shall make them staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And they shall put the staves in the rings by the side of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. And the staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. 
So that's kind of what we were talking about on Wednesday, if you were here, uh, about uh, how they carried this ark, this this um, picture of Jesus. They carried it around, uh, but it was always covered. Nobody ever saw it. And so that's exactly what Rome's talking about. But uh, <clears throat> it says, uh, and you should put the ark of the testimony, which, which yeah, into the ark the testimony which I should give thee, because of course it had the the manna and the rod and the tables of stone, all that in it. And he says, you should make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half should be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And you should make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shall you make them, in the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. So he's saying they're of the same material. So it's like all one piece. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one toward another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark shalt thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So, you know, we're all familiar with with how this works and with, in this passage. Of course, he's he's describing the, the furniture for the, the tabernacle and, and God starts with the ark and then he moves out from there. So this is, of course, where the presence of God was at in the holiest of all. Uh, is what he's describing here. But... Uh, uh, I like this word mercy seat. It's an interesting word. Uh, it comes from a, an, a Hebrew word that literally means lid. But they only ever used it to refer to the lid of the ark. And and so uh, and so it it came to be synonymous with propitiation because this is of course where the high priest came in and sprinkled the blood every year is on this mercy seat. Um <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to pop over to Romans chapter 3, I believe it is. I want to read something over there. Um, and, you know, propitiation is one of those great words. You should, like, look it up on Google, like, define propitiation. And it has that little chart of how often the word is used over the last, like, 150 years or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> so people are like, what does that mean? Um, but in Romans Three, uh, uh, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, because of course he's talking about how there's none righteous, no, not one, and all that, and, and how, uh, I, I love how as you go through the book of Romans, Paul builds this case for everybody being in the same boat. I, like, I kind of like the whole same boat theory, because... Um, uh, if if our salvation depended on getting everything right and uh, being in the right boat, then we yeah, I mean it does depend on being in the right boat. But God knows how to get you to the right boat. And if you want to sit in the other boat and be a dinghy, then God knows how to <laughs> God God knows how to bring you to a better conclusion. So. Uh, so, so he says, now the, man, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, 
or made plain, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's hard to find a place to stop because all these verses are all colons and semicolons at the end. I don't... Like all my little English training from high school pops up and I'm like, that's not a period. I can't stop there. (laughs) But but like I said, he puts us all in the same boat. He says all of sin. All come short. So so this righteousness, which is by the faith of Christ, is what comes to all of us when when we accept it by faith. Which, again, is what we were talking about Wednesday. Ron kind of beat me to it. So... um, that's the disadvantage of him preaching on Wednesday. So, so on Sundays I do my best to get in here first, and kind of I get to say it first. Um, it says, being in verse twenty-four, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, and so, so of course He's building this case that. That for all of us, uh, our justification comes from this redemption that's in Christ, from this this blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat, from the 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 sacrifice and the price that He paid for us, not by uh, our our merit. And and we've been talking a lot lately about how uh, God goes out of His way to explain that to us that our righteousness is, is from Him and that our salvation comes from that and and how the the church as a whole has taken that to be this carte blanche that we can live any way we'd like. And, of course, we know better than that. The Baptists might think that. but um, uh, Let's see. So he says uh, in verse 25, he says, Whom God, of course, talking about Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So, uh, when they translated the Old Testament into uh, Greek, they they used this same word uh, here for the lid of the coven- of the Ark of the Covenant. It's this mercy seat, and uh, and and as I said, this. The word that they used for lid in Hebrew became came to mean this because it was only used for the lid of the ark. So propitiation then is like um, is like an appeasement. It's like um, you know because if you if you have uh, offended somebody and. You, know, you you come home with a box of chocolates and the flowers and all that stuff, you're hoping to appease the angry the angry goddess, right? So um, So it's like I I am coming to make my propitiation. Yeah, please uh please accept this uh this lowly gift at the hand of thy servant. And uh and so you have made appeasement when she, you know, tastes the chocolate and her eyes roll back in her head. And and because uh, of course that's what happens when we eat chocolate. So so see, God knows how to make a way where there is no way. <laughs> when all else fails, chocolate. <clears throat> but anyway, 
so so propitiation then is this appeasement. So it's like um, so the the church has kind of come to this conclusion that um, you know that that God was this in the Old Testament was this angry, vengeful thundercloud of a God that uh, and then he was somehow appeased by this uh, by the sacrifice of of kindly, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and so now God has somehow transformed into like this kindly grandpa. And uh, that just says boys will be boys, and that's about the only thing that's correct in there is that the the wrath of God against sin was appeased by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So um, the the thing that's awesome, uh, and we're going to go to another place and read some more about this, is how uh, you know forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The the, the mercy of God is a wonderful thing. And I am super grateful for it. Um, but it doesn't change his expectation for you. Doesn't expect uh, it doesn't expect you to do it. Uh, you, know, you know, they say when all else fails, lower your standards. And uh, <laughs> um, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so, but that's what we've done in school. You know, I was, you know, I, I went to public school once a long time ago. You know, back when we, you know, wore the like the the animal skins for all the clan rituals and stuff, and and uh, I'll be darned if I didn't learn stuff, you know, and like I came home like able to you know uh, do reading and writing and arithmetic, but uh, uh, it's like now you go to school and it's like, well, if they can't do it, we'll just lower our standards, you know, and because we don't want anybody to feel bad or get left behind. Uh, but that I guess that's neither here nor there. But the point is, is that you can't, uh, is that God doesn't lower His standard of what He expects for us. And so we're going to read some more about that here in a minute. But uh, but it says here again in verse 25 that whom God has set forth to be a propitiation uh, through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins past through the forbearance of God. I like that. That he that that uh, he is a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin. So it's like I'm presenting this righteousness as a uh, as the like like we talked about the justice thing because you know we have this this word righteousness in English that uh, is not really what was there and the sense of justice of of uh, when you are. Uh, when you find yourself in this boat that we were talking about of having all having sinned to being sure of the glory of God, then, uh, then, then that your justice then would be death. And so, of course, Jesus lived this perfect life and sinless Lamb of God, and so His justice then is eternal life, no death. And so we're all familiar with how God has traded us justices, and who wouldn't take a deal like that? And it's it's like the opposite of gambling, <laughs> you know. It's like, I mean, who who does that? It's like, here, give me a dollar. I give me another dollar. Give me another dollar. Give me another dollar. Here, here's a few back. I give me another dollar. Who would do that? It doesn't make sense. And and so, 
So here we have handed God this this icky justice of death, and 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 He trades us for it and gives us this this righteousness, uh, this justice of eternal life. And it's like it doesn't get any better than that. And so um, it says that to declare His righteousness for the the remission or the passing over of sins that are past. So uh, through the forbearance of God, forbearance is a great word you know, because forbearance is not quite the same thing as as the just kind of a wink and looking the other way. It's like uh, if you forbear long with somebody, it's like they keep doing something to you, and and you're really not happy about it, and yet you bear with it, and you deal with it, and you bring them past it, and and so the the forbearance of God is is that you you know that you upset somebody when you apologize to them and instead of them saying oh that's, that's it's okay no big deal you you know that means they they probably weren't even upset and and they're just as happy to move on past it as you are if they say thanks and just leave it hanging there in the silence then you know you have upset them <laughs> and um and and the this this appeasement is is you know probably there you know this would be a good time to get your chocolate but but then you know sometimes it just takes some time to to get past that and and God is really wise to to do that with us because when you offend God there's this sense of separation there and uh, and he, and of course He forgives you immediately when you repent but there's this sense of of so are we okay now. Uh, when uh, Cynthia and I did not have a single fight while we were dating, not one, and then we got married, and it was like the gloves came off. <laughs> it's like it was like smackdown in our apartment, you know. And uh, <laughs> I remember many a really super tense car ride. They're looking out the window with her hair over her face. I'm just like, oh, dang it. So yeah, and then you apologize, and it's like, thanks, thanks. Okay. It's like, well, this isn't getting it better right now. Okay, whistle in the dark. So, <laughs> but the, those days are long, long past. Now we're all old, and we're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> The same stuff that used to have her looking out the window with her hair over her face and tears in her eyes. She's like, <laughs> stupid old man. <laughs> stuff that make, used to make me mad. I'm like, that's, that's my girl. So <laughs> and so, but see, isn't that what Fred talks about? It's like you don't want to go in thinking you're going to change them. It's like you just let them change you and you accept that, that they are who you picked. So, deal with it. We have a great time. Don't get me wrong. All right. Um, so, let's see. <laughs> 
so, gotta love Paul. He was not done with his sentence here. So I'm going to read 25 again. So, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. got to like that. The justifier of him that, that believes in Jesus. So, you don't have to justify yourself. In fact, you can't. And so, there's this this justification that comes from Him because we've traded justice with Him. I love it. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. Who likes to listen to somebody boast? You know, who, who likes to hear somebody tell you how holy they are? Right? Oh. Yeah, Cynthia was talking to... One of Jeremy's friends' moms, and and uh, she grew up going to one of those holiness churches where you got to have the long sleeves and the long skirts and all that stuff, and so she identifies herself as an agnostic, and um, and she doesn't push Cynthia away when she talks about God, but she kind of just kind of looks at her like, wait, what? I was like, well, of course she's going to look at everything you tell her about God through the lens of what she believes God is. So um, so she's probably trying to figure out, okay, she doesn't seem to match up with this like holiness thing that I thought you were supposed to be. So that doesn't make sense to me. So, um, you know, but, uh, you know, but boasting then it's like, well, I, I know it's like I do this and I do that and, and everybody's so impressed, right? It's like those guys that, you know, they like will take off really hard from a stoplight and, you know, peel out their tires and their engines really loud and stuff. I don't know if they think that women are like going to kick their heels off and chase after them, you know, because they're so impressed or it's like, oh, I always wanted a man like that. Like hanging on to the fender like, oh, you know, I, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're thinking. Every woman I have ever seen, when that happens, they always roll their eyes. Like, oh, whoop-de-doo. It's like, yeah, I can step on the gas too hard, too. It happens. So, so where is boasting, then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. So this is that squidgy thing again, isn't it? It's like we're justified by faith in His blood, not by the works thing. But does that mean that God doesn't have any kind of expectation for our behavior? No, because if He didn't, we wouldn't need the blood, would we? So He says, Therefore we conclude a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Absolutely, because no matter how good you do, no matter how holy and awesome and righteous uh, you are and how long your sleeves are, and, you know, if your skirt drags on the floor, it still ain't going to open the pearly gates. So, uh, so that's what he's saying here. So go with me over to Psalms 99. And this is why I say that Ron kind of stole my sermon because I read this on Wednesday morning 
before work, and then I showed up, and I was like, hey, I was going to talk about that. Yep. Okay. So, Psalm 99. It says, The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Uh, That was what got me thinking about this in the first place. Because you find that phrase kind of here and there throughout the Old Testament. It, It refers to God as He that sits between the cherubims. So, of course, it's a reference to the mercy seat. That's where... The throne of God is, is the mercy seat. And then so he brings that mercy seat into you, yes? So um, so, he, so he starts out, the Lord reigns. Because, of course, a king does just that. And let the people tremble, because you should. He sits between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. And I love it, the margin in my Bible says, let the earth stagger. It's kind of different. It's uh, kind of like John seeing Jesus on the Isle of Patmos. It's like, you know, I, I can you know, see him as, as buddy-buddy, and, and that's all well and good. But when you, when you see him like that, in that transcendent glory, and his eyes just look right through you, and you could hide nothing from him, that's an entirely different thing. Uh, staggering would be a good word for that. He says, The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it's holy. So here he is talking about this mercy, because wouldn't you stagger at that mercy of God that that, you you, you think back on all the things that God... Uh, he he did this whole forbearing thing with you with and all the things that he forgave you of and the things that he got out of your life and the things that he dealt with you on and uh, even when you were kind of like singing the Star Spangled Banner with your fingers in your ears and and he, and he still kept working with you. Just like Ron said the other day until you were on the floor going, Uncle, 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 Uncle. <laughs> I... He he summed that up so well because it's one of those things that we we get all tangled up with. It's like how is it that God gets he he makes us make right choices and yet he doesn't make us make choices? It's like because there's something about getting in a chicken wing that will do that to you, get you in the right frame of mind. I always tell people uh, when I'm trying to sell them something, like okay, so you know we're gonna go over this. I'll tell you what you expect. If you go with us and. We'll go over the proposal and all that stuff. If you like it, you want to get on the schedule today, you can. I certainly won't put you in a chicken wing about it. Most people usually kind of chuckle then because I'm trying to kind of make them relax a little bit because everybody tenses up when, somebody, when a salesman's sitting across from them getting ready to talk to them. So I try and make it fun. I had, I had these people the other day when I flipped the thing over to show them the, when I got to the page with the price on it, I went, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Just kind of try to ease the tension a little bit. Plus, I was also reading the room because they looked at it and she was like, oh. I was like, well, this one was a waste of time. Okay. So. <laughs> Mike's back there like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> like, no wonder we ain't selling nothing. All right. <laughs> I don't do that all the time. 
just when it seems like somebody either needs, you know, they need to relax a little bit or or they're, uh, they, they seem like they're the kind of person you could joke around with. Anyway. So, so he's talking about this, this mercy, you know, God reigning from the mercy seat. And he says here in verse 4, the king's strength also loves judgment. Uh, thus to establish equity and execute judgment and righteousness in Jacob. So he's not really making this separation then of of the this like carte blanche mercy that that Christianity has come up with. Uh, he's not separating that from God loving judgment, because of course. We're all familiar with Isaiah 1 where it says, how has the faithful city become a harlot? She was full of judgment. And so judgment, if, uh, Paul said that, that if I judge myself, then he doesn't have to judge me. And so uh, you can avoid some trips to the mercy seat if you judge yourself and, and you let the word of God judge you. So, so he says the king's strength loves judgment and establishes equity. So equity is a great word. Things that are all, you know, fair and square and right and straight, and um, that, that that there's this this rectitude to how everything is is done. That's that's a really good thing. So he says that that, that the king's strength loves judgment. Uh, that he establishes equity and executes judgment and righteousness in Jacob. So he does that, doesn't he? So he, he he will bring things to your attention and, and we we get all like scared of the word judgment. It's like, ooh, judgment. You know, but judgment is a good thing. And and uh even even when God judges something in your life as being um not up to his standard when he judges something in your life as being not okay and that this thing needs to go is that a good moment or a bad moment is that a uh is that a statement of what god believes you are as a as a human being or is it no it's not it's it's what it's god is saying hey here's this thing that we need to deal with it's like you know it's like it's like having children and you, you parent them through behaviors that are not going to work. And it's like, okay, so, <clears throat> like, you know, I love you, love your show, but this thing here has to go. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it did. And so that's what we do as parents. Like, you know, I love you very much. Um, this behavior... I'm not making you stop doing this because it bothers me, even though it does, probably. Um, I'm making you stop this because it's destructive. And it will be destructive to your future relationships. It will be destructive to you holding down a job. It will be destructive to your happiness and the happiness of everyone around you, except for when you leave. So so the, this is why this thing needs to be dealt with. That's why this thing needs to stop. And so that's what God does with us. So he executes judgment and righteousness because he's not calling your your um, your character or your worth in his eyes into question because he's pointing out something that needs to change. He's just saying, hey, let's just get rid of this thing. And then uh, 
And so when you are in the way with him and you agree quickly with him, then you can get rid of the thing. And then, and not only does he execute the judgment bit, but he executes the righteousness bit. And, and he, and he brings you into those places where you decide, you know what, that would actually be the thing that I would want to do, is do it right next time. So, you know, maybe for me that means not going dun 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 when I show the customers the price. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to hear about that tomorrow. Uh, okay. Uh, verse 5 Exalt ye the Lord and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. I love that. He's holy. So, uh, you know, it's funny how we, we, we kind of think about people differently without really meaning to. Like, we would say things to people that we know really, really well, or that they know us really, really well, and they. So it's like, well, I could say that in front of them and they would get what I really mean. But then there are some people we think, I would not say that in front of them. Because either A, they they wouldn't get it coming from me. Or B, I think they would probably find that uh, unholy. (laughs) So I'm not going to say that in front of them. Um, But, uh, you know, when you... But that's a, a really, actually an interesting thought because when you understand that God is holy then the idea of offending him and having to come in and be like, hey, I uh, brought some chocolate, brought some flowers, sorry, my bad. You know, that, you don't want to do that. And it's like, man, I, it's like I didn't, I, I've offended his holiness. It's like, uh, I, I went into these people's house once and uh, they had like this really weird sort of raised entryway, so like pretty much right when you come in the door, you have to step off of this little hardwood platform onto their carpet, and I touched their sacrosanct carpet with one of my shoes, and uh, and was was quickly uh, asked to, to remove the offending shoes. Um, and it's like, ooh, I have offended their holiness. <laughs> you know? So it's like, well, but their carpet, right? So, um, so, yeah, so you don't want to offend the holiness of God. He says in verse 6, Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. So would he answer you? Indeed he would. And he spoke to them in the cloudy pillar, and they kept his testimonies in the ordinance that he gave them. This is an interesting verse. Thou answeredest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. So, I'm not sure why, quite why it uses the word inventions. I'm not sure what the guys were thinking when they translated this. Um, deeds would probably be a more accurate word, at least for our understanding. Um, so, so, he's talking about his buddies here, right? Moses, Aaron, and Samuel. And he, he heard them, and he, and he answered them. Um, and he, and he, they, they kept his ordinances and kept his testimonies and stuff. And then it says that uh, he forgave them, but he took vengeance of their deeds. So, so he brought correction then, right? Mm-hmm. Moses, of course, and of course God was creating a picture of how the ministry can't take you beyond death. But, uh, but Moses couldn't go in the promised land because he, he didn't do the thing that God told him to do. 
God told him, speak to the rock. And then he made it this thing of like, look at me. It's like, do I have to you know, uh, get you water from this rock? And, and he smites it with the rod. And, and, and that's one of those things where you, just, you know his, he just, his shoulders just slumped when God said, now because of that, you won't be going into the promised land. It's like, oh, really? And, but then, of course, God kept him around, didn't he? And then he got to he got to stand there with his own two feet and talk to Jesus in, in the promised land. So, you know he, he's a he's a faithful God, but uh, um, you know he he's wise to let us uh, sleep in our bed sometimes. You know, the old phrase like you you made it you sleep in it. You know, kind of one of those type of deals. He's 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 wise to do that. Because it brings us to better conclusions next time. It's like, man, he reigns from the mercy seat, and and he is a he's a god of love and forgiveness and mercy, but he's also a god of judgment and righteousness. And, and he has this expectation that I'm going to obey him and and do stuff the way he told me to do it. So so the him taking vengeance of your deeds is actually him proving his love to you. Because he said that uh, that whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son. That makes me shudder just to think about being scourged. I was always that kid in elementary school that had this unreasoning fear of getting in trouble. So even though nothing was really going to happen to me, I remember being in second grade and the teacher had this like file cabinet and there was a space about this big between it and the corner. And he would have you go sit there and all you could see was him sitting at his desk. And I don't know what I was doing. I was probably like talking when I wasn't supposed to or something. Big surprise. And uh, and he put me over there, and I didn't see it coming. You know, it's just like he's like, hey, Greg, over And he was like that teacher that had the reputation for being the super cool, nice guy. That's just kind of like, oh, whatever, boys be boys. So I'm sitting over there, curled up behind the file cabinet. <laughs> You know, and like he's like lecturing in front of the class, like I can't even see him now. He's like kind of walking around at the front of the classroom, and I'm just back there, like, <laughs> and he goes and sits down at his desk, and he's like, looks over, he's like, "Are, are you all right?" <laughs> you know, and uh, those of you who have little kids understood that, and uh, <laughs> and uh, um. He's like, all right, go go sit down. Sheesh, it's not that it's not that big a deal. Golly. but it stuck with me. I was like, man, I don't want to get in trouble. Oh my gosh. So, so the idea of being scourged sounds to me like it would be a good idea to come to better conclusions before you get to the scourging place. I I, I used to use the phrase "end of the world spanking" with my kids. <laughs> and uh, even now, Zoe freezes and her eyes get big. Because <laughs> I, I would tell them, I was like, this this behavior is going to change, or we're going to have an end of the world spanking. So, and of course, you know, when you say things to children, they will say them to other people. <laughs> so, I Zoe would be talking to just. Somebody's like, yep. Yeah. And then my, my dad, he said he was going to give me an end of the world spanking. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did say that. But, 
I'm just hoping that your your hind end would take uh, would be pitied by your head, you know, <laughs> and better better things would happen after that. But anyway, so uh, so verse nine he says, "Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy." So he reiterates that that holiness. So there's this, you know, like the old song says, "Mercy there was great and grace was free." Um, but uh, we sh- there, sh- there should be like a verse in there about like, but I learned not to abuse it, you see, you know, something like that. And um, so, so, um, yeah, so, so, so he's a holy God, and he has those expectations for us of obeying the things that he does. Um, and of course, like you said in John, it's like if any man sin and. Of course, he prefaces it with an if, and he says that uh, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Uh, and of course, uh, in that same letter, John also used the word propitiation. It only appears three times in the New Testament. So, um, uh, and in, in fact, John just uh, he just says that Jesus is the mercy seat, that he, that he is our propitiation. So. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness to us, God, for your uh, forbearance and patience, God, that, but for your mercy, God, and how you you work all of these things together in our life, God, to make us into what you would have us be, God, not because you have some arbitrary standard of behavior that you just want us to conform to, God, but because you have this this wisdom and this understanding of of uh, what is going to make our life good and, and right and peaceful, God, and, and how our life isn't going to be upsetting to the people around us and, and all those kinds of things. God, you're you're wise and you're wonderful. And, and this morning, uh, we just come to you humbly and just ask you to keep doing these things in our life. God, we are grateful for the mercy seat. God, and we're grateful that we can commune with you there. You told Moses that I'll commune with you from between the cherubims on top of the mercy seat. And we appreciate that, God. And we also appreciate your your righteousness and your judgment and, and your equity, God. And we, and we don't want to offend your holiness. God, we just pray that you would um, cause us to have that, that fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. God, the very principal part of wisdom. God, put it in us. God, and if, if we need you to, to wrestle us down, to bring us to that conclusion, then by all means. Lord, we just we want to be all that you would have us to be, God, and in surrender to you, God, that the world might see you in us. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous name. God, today, do what only you could do in this place, God. We want your presence to have preeminence, God, to be the the very thing that our eyes are fixed upon. God, we want you to to come through this place, God, and we want to reach out and touch you this morning, God, to to get from you the things that we need. God, and to, to offer you praise, God, because you're worthy of it and we could never, never bring you enough. God, we just thank you and praise you this morning and just ask you to do as only you can today in this place. Amen. Okay.